0: Man, I hope you joined that song, All You Redeemed, Death Was rest. What an awesome worship set. I hope you were able to worship God with us during that set. We're about to jump into our word today, and we got our last message in this series called All the Feels, learning how to feel through times like these, and this one is so important. We're wrapping it up with something that I struggle with a lot, and maybe you struggle with it. To all the fields. Before we get into that, man, would you just join me in prayer? Dear God, we thank you so much that you love us. No matter who we are, no matter what life looks like, no matter what we're wrestling with this week, no matter how overwhelmed we feel or the anxiety we feel, or no matter how many mistakes we made this morning, you love us as we are. You got something for us today, and we need it. We are gathered here and online to hear from you not from me so would you do your thing would you like reach through some some screens reach through some 65 inch screens reach through some phones reach through a computer reach through whatever you got to reach through tear down some barriers and teach us and move us closer to you we need it we need you we're so thankful That we have Christ and that beautiful gift of a cross and an empty tomb to seal our hope no matter what happens in life. So would you encourage us, those who need encouragement, encourage us, strengthen us. People that are struggling, help them to find their strength in you this morning, whenever we're watching this. In Jesus' name, amen. We're ending our series, All the Feels, with a message called, I feel like I'm not enough. i, I got to be just right up front with you and as transparent as I can be. During this message, I, I get this one. This one hits really close to home because even as we were going through the series and I'm trying to think through the rest of the year and what we're going to do next and talk through next and what we're going to jump into with the messages, what, what I kept feeling over and over again is something that I have felt this entire time since really the pandemic started and probably well before that, I just feel so inadequate. Like I don't have enough to bring to this for you. I want to. I want to be there for you. I want to bring it for you. I want to inspire you and and shock you out of your comfortableness to, so that you could get the more God has for you. I want you to feel better. I want you to feel joy. I don't want you to be wrestling with this anxiety. I don't want you to feel so overwhelmed. And I, this whole time, I just feel inadequate. Like I'm not enough for the task. Like I'm not enough for you. And sometimes in the darkest moments, I have. I feel like I'm not enough for God. So I know it's not true. You don't got to like type it in the comments. I, I know it's not true, but that's a tricky thing with feeling inadequate. The feeling we treat like a definitive truth about us. That's that's what happens when we talk about feeling like we're not enough. If, If you are feeling like you're not enough, if you're looking at the next couple weeks of your life and the big pile of stuff you have to sort through and you're feeling like you're not enough, if you have the messages popping into your head from your past and, and you're looking at your, your marriage or your workplace or your job, you know, whatever, and you're feeling like, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. My guess is you're treating that feeling like a definitive fact about you. It's a feeling that we take and act like it's a fact. And when we do that, it becomes Part of our identity. I feel so inadequate. I'm not enough. My guess is that most of you, maybe all of you, at some point or another, have wrestled with the feelings of inadequacy. Ha- have felt like you don't have enough for the task at hand. You don't have enough strength to go through what you have to go through. You don't have enough wisdom to make the decisions you need to make. You don't you don't have enough to, skills to, to to see the people you love through the challenges ahead of you. You don't have enough. And my guess is that you just like me have felt inadequate from time to time too. And in those moments I'm always like God, why? Why me? I don't have you know me. You you know the struggles of my heart. You know the weaknesses that I wrestle with. You know, you know the, the past I carry along with me. You you know you know I'm not enough. So why am I here? We wrestle with these feelings of inadequacy, all of us. Feeling like we're not enough and the feeling we treat like a fact. It's compounded by the fact that there are voices in your life that encourage that, insinuate that, reaffirm that for you. You have this dialogue in your head where you're feeling like you don't have enough to go after what you need to go after. You don't have enough to make it. You're not enough. And then you have these voices, some of them from your past, some of them from your homes, some of them from people that have rejected you or left you. These voices that come into your life and they just whisper quietly in your ear, reaffirming that fear that you have been dragging around with you. You're not enough you're not enough. You're not going to make it. No one's ever going to love you. You're never going to find peace again. You're never going to be successful because you're not enough. And the battle between the feeling and a fact gets even harder to overcome because you listen to those voices long enough. And the confusion of whose voice it actually is spitting those lies at you sets in. And at some point, it goes from being their voices to your voice. And unfortunately, some people even take that lie and stamp it on God. Maybe God thinks I'm not enough. I don't feel like I'm enough. It's something that we all wrestle with, this feeling versus fact struggle between feeling inadequate we we gotta stop treating it like it's a fact in our life, and just acknowledge it as a feeling that we all will face from time to time. And I take great comfort in the fact that most of the main characters in the Bible felt that way too. Everybody from Moses, who said, "What do you mean you're gonna use me? You can't use me. I don't talk good enough." You picked the wrong guy. To Gideon, was like, "Yo, I'm the worst in my family. You don't understand. My family's..." the worst in the tribe. My tribe's the worst in the nation. Like you're skimming the bottom of the barrel now, God, if you think you're going to pick me. Over and over throughout Scripture, we find God picking people who all wrestled with feeling inadequate. They weren't enough. They didn't have what it took. Why them? So I feel better. Most Sundays, I feel inadequate. After I preach, I get down and I'm like, man, that was not good enough. That was not good enough. And then sometimes I think I'm not good enough. You see how that game, it messes with you. Feeling inadequate, compounded by the voices in our head and the voices in our past that are whispering to us that you're right, you're not enough, you don't have what it is, you don't have what it takes, you don't have what... It's a, it's a fact verse feeling battle. And in the fact verse feeling battle, a feeling like you are insufficient, you're not enough, perspective changes everything. And by the way, just in case you're going to drop off of here, don't drop off. You, you need to hear every minute of this message. But just in case somebody comes swooping into your living room right now with a distraction or somebody drops a, a pitcher full of iced tea in your kitchen right about now and you get pulled away for a second, you have to know that the truth is not defined by your feelings. Your feelings aren't reliable when it comes to your identity. Mark that down, write it down, scratch it somewhere. you got to remember throughout life that your feelings aren't reliable when it comes to who you truly are. Your feelings are easily messed with by your circumstances. Your feelings are easily lied to by others and yourself. There's an identity based off of truth that says you are enough. But perspective, your perspective, how you're looking at yourself and how you're looking at life changes everything, your perspective. In John John chapter 6, that's the passage I want to talk to you about. Today in John chapter six we get a story that is one of the only. There's, I think there's two miracles talked about in all of the gospels, and this is one of them. Which is funny because it seems so Sunday schoolish to me. It seems so like why is this one in there? But it's recorded by all of the gospel writers under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This story, this miracle in John chapter six. Flip there on your Bible. Put your iPad there. Pull your iPad up and pop it up on your Bible app. This is a story we all need to learn and sink into our hearts. The story, it talks about this perspective when we're feeling like we're not enough or we don't have enough. It it goes like this. Jesus had just sent the disciples out two on two on a little miracle mission. Like, oh, you've been learning from me what what, what faith looks like when you apply it, what, what What belief in me looks like when when you go out in my name, what you can do in my name, because I'm not just some prophet, I'm not just some teacher, I'm the son of God. He was showing them what it was like, this miracle mission. They had been performing miracles as Jesus taught. He sent them out in groups of two to go experience what it was like ministering to people without him. They've been doing tons of ministry and he decides that he's going to cross to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they had been seeing all the signs he had performed and how he was healing the sick. It says this in verse three, then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus went to the mountainside, it was usually to escape the crowd. It was usually for rest. It was like, we got to get to the mountainside. We've been going hard at doing this ministry. I need to connect with my Father in heaven. I need to rest. I need to fellowship with my disciples and and pray. Like, that's usually why Jesus goes to the mountainside. Right before Passover, the disciples were probably like, oh, sweet, we got a break. Like, it's been a hard run. We get to pull out here for a second, go up on the hill. We're going to eat some lunch. We're going to get away from all this noise and chaos and just chill with Jesus for a while. That's probably what the disciples were thinking. Jesus, he pulls up there, but he looked up and he sees this. It says, Jesus saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for the people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. See, God already knows how he's going to provide for you, how he's going to make whatever you bring him enough. He already knows what he's going to do. The test is in the perspective. How are you going to look at life? How are you going to face your circumstances? Are you going to face your circumstances with fear and doubt? Or are you going to face your circumstances through the lens of faith? You see, as people who have given our lives to Jesus, we are supposed to be looking at everything everything. The pandemic. Your marriage has fallen apart. Your boss who's not treating you fairly. The time you got looked over for the promotion. Your finances. How you raise your children. All of the things. We're supposed to be looking at all of it through this filter of faith. Philip, he struggles with that part. And he's like, listen, Jesus, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted He did the same with the fish, and the disciples had more left over. Here's here's the thing. You probably heard this story, and you probably heard this story called the feeding of the 5,000. But we got to take a little check here and say, whoa, not really accurate. It says there was about 5,000 men there. 5,000 men there. Like, I don't know what the multiplier was. It's probably something like 2.5 when you throw in the women and the kids. It's probably like, whoa, we got a large crowd. It's probably double 5,000. We're probably talking 10,500 people here. The problem was way bigger than it seems. Your problems always seem way bigger. They're, They're way bigger. They may actually be way bigger than you thought stepping out into them. The challenges in life can show up and be way bigger than you anticipated. You're facing some big challenges right now. You didn't think you were going to have to face this kind of challenge. You didn't think it was going to be this hard. Maybe you even thought it was going to be better and easier. Maybe you got some big, big problems you're facing big challenges. They're bigger than you anticipated. They're bigger than you expected. They're bigger than you're ready for. And so you look at these really big problems and you say, wow, I'm not enough. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared for this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not enough. The problem was way bigger than they had anticipated. But God was way bigger than the problem. Somebody needs that reminder right now. God is way bigger than the bigger problem that you weren't prepared for. God is way bigger than the problem that's making you feel inadequate. God is way bigger than the challenge that's whispering in your ear, you're not enough. God is way bigger than your biggest problems all they see is the big problem and they forget that the one they were with had been healing the sick he had made a little dead girl live he he was the one who could test out demons He was the one who told them to throw the net on the other side. And when they did, after fishing all night and getting skunked, they hauled in an epic load of fish that almost sunk the boat. They had forgotten who they were with. You see, you got some big problems. But God's bigger than your big problems. And and there's three things, I think that have us fall into the same perspective the disciples fell into when they looked at the crowd and they were like, we can't handle this. We don't have enough for this. Jesus, send them away so that they can get something to eat and we can get a little peace. There's three things. One, our memory's too short. See, when we're facing problems that look like They're way too big for us and we can't actually do. We're not enough to face them. Our memory is too short. Your memory is too short. Have you forgotten who it is you roll with? You're not alone. God's got you this far. Did you think He would only get you this far to sink your ship? Do you think He would only get you this far so that you could crumble into pieces? so that you could be broken a thousand times over did you think he got you this far only to abandon you our memories too short the same god who was with you last time the problem was too big is with you this time the problem is too big he has always been with you our memories too short time to remember god's seen you through to today And if you take a step back and look at your past, he's done some pretty epic stuff. And he will do it again. He hasn't brought you this far to hang you out to dry. God's bigger than your problems. The second thing that train wrecks us when we start looking at our problems and we forget that God is bigger than our problems, when we look at our problems and we feel like we're not enough to face Our problems is we set our expectations too low. If your problem seems bigger than your God, you either got the wrong God or you got the right God, but your expectations are too low. Why don't we expect big things from a really big God? I realized that I was praying too small not too long ago. We're about, as a church, to jump into this amazing next chapter on our vision. It includes adding campuses, and we got one on the T, ready to be driven down the fairway, hole-in-one, right? Like, we, we got we, we're planning and doing some incredible stuff, and I realized that I was praying too small. Why not pray bigger? Why not pray bigger about the finances at church? By the way, the week after I started praying bigger about the finances in our church, God taught me a lesson and we had the biggest offering to date ever in the history of this church. It was crazy. In the middle of a pandemic, huh? during tailgate services, huh? God's people are amazing. And when God moves in them, they are unstoppable. But I'm getting a little carried away right now. Like, I got to pray bigger. My expectations are too small if my problems seem bigger than my God. If your problems seem bigger than your God, you got the wrong God and you don't know the right one. Come talk to me. I'll be glad to introduce you to him. Or you set your expectations too small for a really big God who's got plans for you. He doesn't have plans to harm you, but plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future, even when your circumstances seem train wrecked and your problems seem too big. Sometimes we, we forget that God is bigger than our problems in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe, for instance, when, when we, our memory is too short, when we set our expectations too low, and third, when we're looking too basic. I hope you wrote those things down. I hope you wrote those three things down. We look too basic. The, the disciples are are looking and they're like, oh, they should have been like, man, God's like done some pretty epic miracles. Jesus has done some pretty epic miracles. We're rolling with the Son of God here. So guess what? Feeding 5,000 plus people, 10 and a half K, however many people were there, feeding, <laughs> feeding that many people, not a big deal. This is gonna be a piece of cake. But they also, they, 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 they couldn't forget They were looking too basic, too basic. You see, their greatest need was they were feeling a little hangry and worn out. I get it. I've been there. Like, I've felt that pang of hunger. Makes you a little crazy. You just want to get out of church, like snack on some stuff. Like, I get it. They, they were exhausted and worn out, and they were like, Jesus, we want to eat. Just meet my need. Just do what we want right now. I want a little rest. I need a little break. Give me 15 minutes and a sandwich. They're looking too basic. I, I just need this little thing. When God was like you're going to see something, Jesus was like, "Oh, well, you wait. You need to flip your perspective so that you start to see your circumstances the way faith shows us our circumstances. You need something bigger than lunch and a little break. You need to see that there is it's never not enough when it comes to me. It's never not enough. So, that's they needed. They needed so desperately to see that there was a bigger need than just snack and a rest. We need so desperately to see that there is a bigger need for us. When our problems seem bigger, it's because we're looking too basic. We need to look deeper to what God is truly trying to do for us and in us. You get Philip... Philip and Andrew here. Philip, he goes into like type A calculation mode, but I really don't think this is a a statement on personality in this passage. I know there's some of us, we like details more. We get into the nitty-gritty of the details. We like to plan everything out and call them type A personalities, call them SCs, call them whatever you want, call them The homeboy in the shotgun, riding shotgun. I don't know what you call him, like whatever you call him. But I really don't think this passage is a personality reveal for the disciples. You see, really, I think most of us in this situation, we fall into the same thing. When the problem becomes too big, we all want to explain why the problem's too big. When the challenge seems too big and we want to like step back instead of stepping out in faith, we can. Easily any one of us come up with all the reasons why we shouldn't step out in faith. I don't think Philip was wrestling with his personality. I think he was wrestling with his faith. And I think he was doing what you do and what I do all the time. Making a list of why we shouldn't step out in faith, why we aren't enough, why we don't have enough to do what God is pulling us to do. You got those lists. Some of you you've been carrying them around figuratively in your back pocket you've been carrying around why why you can't why you can't step out and give why you shouldn't step up and serve why you can't why, why why you can't talk to that person, why you can't reach out and offer to help somebody, why you can't share your faith with somebody who desperately needs hope, why you can't be a leader or be on a team. You probably got a list of reasons why you're not enough and why you can't take the next step of faith. Philip's right there with you, and I've been with you so many times. I had a whole list when I felt called into ministry, and I wanted to say no. I said no a bunch of times. I had a whole list of reasons, just like Philip, why I shouldn't step out in faith and become a youth pastor, why I shouldn't step out in faith and go from being a youth pastor to a lead pastor. Every challenge along the way on this journey, every time we've made a big decision, the temptation is there for me to come up with a list about why I'm not enough to do it and god's like take a step of faith lose the list andrew on the other hand this is such a beautiful part of this story andrew on the other hand he's like it says he's the simon peter's brother like it's a descriptive like you probably don't know who andrew is so he's the the popular one's brother He's Peter's brother. you probably forget who. Here's the only recorded words in the Gospels by this disciple, Andrew. It's a grand slam that looks like a bunt. It says this. He says, he says here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? It's a grand slam. It looks like a bunt because he tags that, puts that tag line on the back of it. Like, well, this isn't going to work. I don't, I don't think this is going to work. But what you have to understand about Andrew is when Jesus told Philip, go find out, go find food for them. You feed them. Andrew went for a walk. This is one of the most powerful demonstrations of faith. He didn't think it was going to work. He didn't think he was going to find anything. When he found something, he still thought it wasn't enough. But he still had the courage to bring the boy back to him to show Jesus. He puts it out in front of Jesus and says, look, I got something for you, but it's probably not going to work. It's probably still not enough. And Jesus is like, let's go. (laughs) Sit down. There's grass everywhere. We got enough grass. Everybody sit down on a patch of grass. Hold my microphone. You're about to see what faith does when you give God the littlest, tiniest stuff. You're about to see what faith does when you still don't think it's going to work. You're about to see what faith does when you offer God your everything and you are convinced your everything isn't enough because you're not enough. Join the club. Pull up a chair. Sit back and watch as God takes your nothing and makes it a spectacular everything. (laughs) I love this act of faith. Because here, Andrew's like, it's not going to work. It's not enough. But I'll give it to you. I'll take the step and follow your direction for my life. Man, you're sitting there. Girl, you're sitting there. And you're thinking, I'm not enough. I don't have anything to offer. I'm too weak. I'm too broke. I'm t- I'm not good enough. But if you would just give God what you have, even if you don't think it's enough, He would take your nothing and He would make it a spectacular something. Why not just do it right now? Be like, I got it. I got to give you what I got. It's a step of faith I wish we all would take because you're never not enough when you place your faith in jesus we got to end this with four things you're you gotta you gotta remember for your identity you high schoolers heading back to high school whether it's online you gotta know you gotta write this down don't tattoo it on your arm because you're probably not old enough and your parents are going to freak out at me right now and I get a bunch of emails, right? Like I don't want, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, you got to remember this. You middle schoolers, you got to remember this. Mom and dad struggling because you're comparing yourself to everybody on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. You got to remember this because we're ending this with why you're enough. Four reasons that make you enough when it comes to faith. Four reasons that should rock your identity. Number one reason you are enough because Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Colossians 1 and chapter verse 16, it says, For in Him all things were created, listen to this, things in heaven and earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Come on, man. I wish somebody was here to like erupt in the chat or out loud. Like, come on. In him all things hold together. You're enough. Because Christ is holding you together. You don't have to hold yourself together. Christ is enough for you. That's one reason, and it's good enough of a reason that you're enough. The number two reason you're enough, not only is Christ enough for you, but His grace is enough for you. Maybe you don't even know what his grace is. It's his unmerited favor and pardon for you. Quite simply, it means God loves you and he likes you, which is more than you can say about a lot of people in your life unconditionally. You can't do anything to make him love you or like you more. You can't do anything to make him love you or like you less. His love for you is perfect, it's free. Of course you didn't deserve it, but you get the party anyway. That's what God's grace means, that he offers you unmerited forgiveness, a clean slate, brand new from the inside out if you would just accept that free gift. That's what His grace means. And Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is enough for you. Stop withholding it from yourself because you think you're not enough. His grace is enough for you. Say it again. God loves me and likes me. Say it again. God offers me a new heart, a new beginning. His pardon on for me. Say it again. His grace is enough. I'm weak, but that's good. His power is going to be made perfect through my weakness. I'm enough. Christ is enough for me. His grace is enough for me. Number three, to rock your identity and help you realize that you are enough because of your faith in Christ is this. What I give him is enough. He took those Bread and that those fish. It, it was barley. Like it was the worst kind of bread. It was the cheap stuff, right? Like the fish, a couple of fish. The kid was like having fun, eating his lunch and doing a little fishing, which is a spectacular way to spend your day. And he comes here and he's just got a couple little fish. And he takes those fish and he feeds five thousand plus. The problem was bigger. It wasn't five thousand men, probably like 10K people on a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. And then he says, grab some baskets, fill them up. You're going to have enough to eat and feed all your people. Twelve baskets they filled up to overflowing like what you give God. Even if it seems like not enough, it seems crazy to you, is always enough. He'll multiply it. That's what he does. He'll multiply what you give Him. We gave Him our church. He multiplies us. He multiplied us first with services. Now He's multiplying with campuses. Every time we have created space... Following Jesus, he has filled that space. He'll take what you give him and he'll multiply it. People give a couple bucks to a campaign we ran a couple of weeks ago and he multiplied it and we crushed the campaign in 11 days. He give a little bit and he multiplies it. That's just what he does. You give him your life and he'll multiply that too. What you give Him is always enough. And number four, to rock your identity, to end this whole thing, this entire series, you have to remember this. The number four thing is I'm always enough for God. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. For God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son, that you, if you would believe in Him, should not perish but have eternal life. How could you look at the cross and ever think you aren't enough? You are always enough for God. He loves you. I love you. You're enough. Let's pray. God, thank you. It's, it's easy to feel inadequate. I feel inadequate most of the time. I'll probably feel inadequate as soon as I finish praying this prayer. Like I could have done a better job, God. Like I should have, I didn't have enough today, you know. But what we give you is always enough. So I give you my gift. I give you my life. I thank you that I'm enough because Christ is enough. I'm enough because your grace is enough. I'm enough because what I give you is enough. I'm enough because I am always enough to you. Crush somebody's broken down identity right now break their heart open to joy and experience what you're, who they truly are in and through you. If they have given their life to you, if they have placed their faith in you, if this whole thing is not just religion but it's personal with you, they are always enough and you are always bigger than their biggest problems. Thank you. Jesus name Amen